This is On the Block with Stricken Austin. Nebraska Basketball Hall of Famer and nine-year NBA vet, Eric Strickland. Strickland for three! And you're going to go out of here as the Big 8 tournament champion. Middle school basketball coaching legend and Duke basketball shooting coach in his mind, Austin Orman. Coming at you live from the heart of Lincoln, America, on air and online at theticketfm.com. Brought to you by Mary Ellen's Food for the Soul. This is On the Block with Strick and Austin. On a Thursday, glad you're along for the ride for the next two hours. I'm Austin Norman, live inside the 93.7 Ticket Studios here in Lincoln, 1040 O Street, the address, northwest corner of 11th and O. And of course, we're not alone here. We'd like to thank our friends at The Mill. Really appreciate them for all they do, as well as Beatrice Baking Company. Share that space with those two uh, wonderful companies, wonderful people at them. So if you're in the area, make sure you stop by, say hi to all of us at The Ticket, your favorite personalities, and me, as well as uh, people at Beatrice Baking Company and The Mill. If you want to chime in with anything we're talking about here on the show, you can on the Sardar Heyman Jewelers text line or the Honda of Lincoln hotline. The number's for you, 402 464 5685. We also have streams up and running Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, and Twitter. That's where Eric Strickland will join me here in just a moment. What's coming up on the show today? A lot. Nick and I got into a little bit of Nebraska men's basketball, both the the minutiae of the game against Minnesota, what went wrong for the Big Red at the barn, but also kind of big picture. What What's the state of the program in year five under Fred Hoiberg? Where's Nebraska at? What's What way is Nebraska trending? It was trending up after seven games, certainly trending down after these last two performances by the Huskers. So what is the, the status of this program? We'll get into that. We'll talk about Michigan. Offering Jim Harbaugh a contract extension, a big contract extension, a notable contract extension with a stipulation that makes sense for Michigan, given who Jim Harbaugh is and the way that he's operated there in Ann Arbor. We'll talk about that. We'll stay in the state of Michigan too. Um, talk some NBA with the Husker Hall of Famer. Uh, who's responsible for Draymond Green being Draymond Green? Is it him? Is it someone else? Some former NBA stars say they're to blame for Draymond Green being who he is. That's what we'll look at in hour one of the show. Hour two of the show, we'll turn our attention to the transfer portal for Husker football. We know you're inundated with this. Hopefully, you're still interested in it, right? Nebraska certainly needs to make additions to the football roster. You see a lot of great building blocks, but there are also certainly great players available in the portal for Nebraska to at least pitch on coming to Lincoln and and being part of the next good Nebraska football team. So what positions are those? We'll talk about that. What, What level should Nebraska get those transfers from? Do they... Do they need to target those Power 5 guys that were backups, Power 5 guys looking for a fresh start? Or should they look at the up-and-comers out of the group of five or even FCS and JUCO levels, guys that are are looking to prove themselves at an upper level of football? Strick and I will get into that. And then I'm excited. We did this on Take It Down Tuesday. We'll do it again on Thirsty Thursday. Welcome in our friends from the mill as well as Empyrean Brewing here in Lincoln to discuss their new collaboration. It's a fantastic beer called the Coffee and Cream Ale. Nick and I were lucky enough to try it again on Take It Down Tuesday a couple days ago. They're back on Thursday, so in case you missed that conversation, what it is, what it tastes like, we will let you know what it is, where you can get it, when you can get it, all coming up here on the show. Again, 402-464-5685 if you've got any thoughts here. Let's dive into the Nebraska men's basketball loss to Minnesota. 76 
to 65. Nebraska loses. The 11-point margin, not ideal, but also Nebraska got absolutely shredded in the second half. The Huskers uh, allow only uh, 24 points in the first half before allowing 52 points in the second half. That's right. Nebraska uh, got doubled up in the second half, 52 to 26, after leading 39 to 24. The first 12 minutes or so for both teams was a little sloppy, a little disjointed. Nebraska was in front 19 to 17 at that that U8 timeout in the first half. And then Nebraska really got cooking. The off-ball movement was great. The passing was crisp. The defensive rotations were solid. Um, jumps and passing lanes, got a couple steals. And, and boxing out was good. Nebraska played some of the best basketball of its season last night, which is hard to hear. It's it's weird to say in a game that ends up an 11-point loss on the road when you give up 50-plus points in the second half. But that last eight minutes of basketball is, I think, what this team is supposed to look like. Bryce Williams really got it going, right? Scored 17 points in the first half, got the shots that he's used to getting that I think he's supposed to be getting for this team and how it's supposed to operate. He got to the rim. Uh, he only knocked down one three-pointer, but that came in the first half. Um, and overall, Bryce Williams looked like that focal offensive hub for Nebraska, right? Not just ball in his hands, go create your own, but off of movement, getting him an advantage to go to work with. And then from there, it was C.J. Wilcher moving off the ball, right? C.J. Wilcher has nine points all in the first half. Three of six from the floor. He does knock down a three-pointer as well as two, two free throws. C.J. Wilcher, I think that's a great role for him. Essentially what he did in the first half is how C.J. Wilcher is going to be used by this team moving forward. So the first, again, 12 minutes, not great. The last eight of the first half were really good. But then we have to talk about the second half. Just how quickly the wheels fell off. I don't even know if they fell off. I don't even know if that's the the right way to to phrase what happened is the wheels fell off. The wheels just completely disintegrated is really what it felt like happened for Nebraska. As we welcome in the Husker Hall of Famer, Eric Strickland here. Uh, not really the Allo VIP line because Stricky is on stream. Stricky, how you doing? Safe travels? You good and settled? Yeah, can you hear me? Yes, I think we're good. Uh, yeah, uh, good and settled. I don't know what's going on. Uh, the Wi-Fi is acting up, so hopefully I'll get a good, um, you know, by my wife, my... Um, Ah, that's fine. <laughs> Hopefully that'll work. But um, yeah, you were talking about the basketball game last night, yeah? Yes, we were. And specifically the second half and how things disintegrated for Nebraska. You mentioned that one of the big focuses for Nebraska, as stated by the head coach, but also just from your own observations, had to be the physical nature that Nebraska had to step up, especially on rebounding. But even with the screening on offense to get guys open, the last eight minutes of the first half, Nebraska was excellent, extended that from a two-point lead to ultimately a 17-point lead before Minnesota got the last two points of the first half. But then, Strick, it all fell apart rapidly in the second half. And I think the biggest story was Dawson Garcia going out for Minnesota. He didn't play with that rolled ankle, but I think that benefited Minnesota. I think Nebraska had good defensive matchups. On Dawson Garcia, they started with Josiah Alec on him. If it needed to be rink mast, I think that's okay for Nebraska. And Nebraska could take advantage of Dawson Garcia on the other end of the court. But Nebraska had no answer for the athleticism, the size, the speed, and ultimately the aggression of both Farrell Payne and Joshua Ola Joseph, who did the same thing to Nebraska last year. 
Yeah, that, that was definitely the case last year. And um, we saw it again this year. It was like a, an instant replay of what uh, transpired last year. You hate it that uh, you can get out to that lead. Those are hard to do on the road. And yet you had a 15-point lead uh, going into half and see what happens. Sometimes you get in there and you start getting comfortable and you start you know, smelling yourself a little bit. And the next thing you know, you come out and the team comes out with way more energy, way more fire, way more heart than you do. And we saw also last night the importance of for this Nebraska team at the point guard position, uh, uh, you know, a lot of turnovers, 18 mm-hmm. to be exact, seven out of uh, Jamarcus Lawrence would only one assist. And that's that's just a recipe for disaster, especially when you really don't have another ball handler to be able to uh, take over and fill some of that void. Uh, you would hope like Boogie Coleman would be someone to to do that. Didn't play much this game, probably didn't fit him with the athleticism that was out there against uh, this Minnesota team. And so uh, your guys didn't come up and, and uh, raise the bar. Obviously, that's Tamanaga Mass, who had been pretty consistent. Uh, only five rebounds out of Mast, as well as only, um, um, you know, uh, uh, five rebounds, shot two for seven, didn't have a really good night there, uh, didn't get that production out of anyone else outside of Bryce, who, who was pretty much consistent there. And, uh, you know, some from Jawan Gary as well. But other than that, there was just not much to show for it. There really wasn't. And, I mean, those seven turnovers from Jamarcus Lawrence, obviously a downer. He did at least score the basketball pretty well for the first time all year. But you don't want the scoring when it comes with seven turnovers. Two or three, three or four, maybe you can handle. But seven and a lot of them live ball isn't good. Bryce Williams had four turnovers as well again just lazy passes kind of losing losing focus with the defender in his face got got his pocket picked but Strick I want to I want to focus on that athleticism that you bring up Minnesota had more of it than Nebraska across the board but we kind of knew that going in that Nebraska wasn't the most athletic team in the post or on the perimeter what do you have to do then if you're in Nebraska to counter athleticism is it positioning is it communication is it effort how do you get away with being less athletic than your opponents? Um, Just take the recipe of what Princeton used to be. You used to watch Princeton very often, and Princeton would beat teams like that by way of being fundamentally sound in every aspect of the game, taking care of the ball, making you make the mistakes, wearing you down mentally because understanding that the clock was to your advantage because of the fact that you knew you were going to get a good shot. You were going to wait until you got a good shot and you were going to frustrate the other team until uh, they just gave way and and didn't want it anymore. (laughs) So that's how Princeton used to beat people with that type of success. And when you don't have that, you have to do all of those those fundamental things to enable you to uh, be able to pull out and win games, especially on the road. And that goes back to what we talked about with uh, setting screens, um, presenting yourself and defending and rebounding and you know, like you're saying, being physical and winning the loose battle, uh, loose ball battles, all of those things you have to do in order to uh, uh, have some success. If they don't do that, it's going to be a long year uh, going forward. Uh, question from the text line here, Strick. We have John in Southeast Lincoln asking about Nebraska basketball. Um, he says, Coach Rule talks about spending big money for a quarterback. Do you think that Coach Hoiberg would spend a million for a point guard? 
I see I see the rationale. I see the reasoning. It's not like Fred Hoiberg didn't try to address that, right? He's trying to grow Jamarcus Lawrence into that. He goes out and he gets Aaron Euless out of the transfer portal. It hasn't worked out given the, the gambling suspension, and I'm not sold on Aaron Euless as an option, but he's at least played point guard in the Big Ten. And Boogie Coleman has been a ball handler in the MAC mostly, but also in the SEC. But I also think in Fred Hoiberg's system, you don't need a stud point guard, right? Imani Morris at yeah, Iowa State yeah. was so good because he just didn't make mistakes, right? It's that, that caretaker type of guy who doesn't turn the ball over, who gets a team into its sets, and who knocks down open threes. Nebraska shouldn't have to spend big money for a guy that can do that. Yeah, I mean, Hogard is not... In, Hogard is is the typical Michigan State type of point guard in that um, they don't have to be absolutely successful and great. You can have a good combination. That Back in my day, they had Eric Snow, who mm-hmm. uh, wasn't your typical stud, just go get buckets type of guy. He could get buckets. He was physically strong. He could defend his tail off. Uh, but then they had Sean Respert, who was a, his complimentary player with him who who was their shooter who was their scorer who would do a lot of those things and 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 I think that's where Eric benefited the most is that he always uh, had the ability to take on the the responsibilities to defend guys that Sean Respert couldn't in the same light that he did with um, Allen Iverson uh, there those combinations worked good so you just really need somebody who is a staunch defender somebody who can uh, make sure that your team is getting into the right stuff executing the plays and and uh, just taking care of the ball. You don't need anybody that's going to just be like uh, Alonjo Verge for this team was not too long ago, right? Not that he was a point guard, but you understand what I'm saying. Don't have to be that guy that has to go out and get it. You want a guy that's capable. Mm-hmm. I would like a guy like Nimhart, to be honest, mm-hmm. like what Creighton had had. Nimhart was the perfect prototypical guy for what Nebraska could use as far as to uh, – uh, have success uh, on their team. What about even like a Glenn Watson Jr. type of guy? Yeah. 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 Nothing, nothing wrong with that. This is this, this team is starting to show some weaknesses and some, some, uh, some holes mm-hmm. in some areas of their, their game. But uh, Fred tried to address it, but you can't get guys to, uh, you have to, you can't force guys to do something. Mm-hmm. You have to, uh, just present it to them and show them what the right way and the right recipe is. And uh, what scares me is that this looks very much like uh, Nebraska football right now. Uh, sure. Had some look, look good in some ways against competition that not necessarily was at the height of, of, of what they're going to see going into Big Ten play. But um, they lose their first. <laughs> mm-hmm. And we talked about this, this like, deja vu thing going on with football and basketball and now they lose their first game to uh, uh minnesota to minnesota and guess mm-hmm. guess where on in minnesota so, <laughs> so <laughs> i don't know what's going to happen or transpire out of it but it's not a good look right now and it doesn't get any easier going forward that it doesn't michigan state on sunday kansas state in a week from that but strick you mentioned that nebraska is showing some weaknesses right not the first power conference teams they've played they they mopped the floor with oregon state up in sioux falls but Creighton exposed some flaws. Uh, Minnesota, I think, exposed some different flaws. But you can point to what both of those teams did well, right? Creighton's a ball movement and shooting team. They do that exceptionally well. They hang their hat on it. Minnesota, you know, still finding its way as a program, but its strength against Nebraska was inside with the athleticism and the physical rebounding. They exploited that on the offensive end to get points. 
and they funneled Nebraska into shot blockers, right? Minnesota did that well. What is it about this Nebraska team that that Fred Hoiberg can hang his team's hat on, right? What does this team do so well that they can rely on? Right now, I'm not seeing anything, and not having an identity or knowing what Nebraska does well is going to make game-to-game difficult. Well, what I what I thought they did well was their 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 passing. I mean, they had a great passing night as far as assist numbers. It's mm-hmm. back up in that 15 range. But here's the issue. You thought this team would be a way better shoot, shooting team than they had because they do have better shooters. Ray mm-hmm. Mass is, is one who can stretch the floor and can shoot it. Jamarcus Lawrence is very capable, as you saw. This is more like what I'd hope for him to be, uh, three for five from three. Tamanaga just did not have – anything going Bryce is a career almost well definitely upper 30s mm-hmm. in his career and shot uh his last year um uh, was at 40 something percent when he before he came to Nebraska mm-hmm. and uh Jawan Gary's capable Sam Hoiberg can do it just didn't play much CJ Wilcher was one for two just didn't really play much I don't know if it was a good fit for him those are the things that you'd hope out of them but once again they shoot a dismal under 30 percent from three I mean it's not that they're not getting good looks I think that they're they're getting good looks they're not shooting as many four shots as they've shot in the past and and Mm -hmm. and you know you'd you'd think shooting over 80 percent on the road would get you there especially with a team that shot 62 percent but you just don't do enough. You don't do enough, especially when you're turning the ball over 18 times. And they, they're they very costly because, you you know, they score over 20 points off of turnovers. That's that's just that's tough to overcome. Minnesota scores 24 points off of 18 turnovers and 14 points off of 13 offensive rebounds. That's 38 points on possessions Minnesota arguably shouldn't have had. If you cut both those numbers in half, it's still maybe mm-hmm. a little high and more than you want to give up, but acceptable. Like Nebraska did okay, right? Eight second chance points, not elite, but that's fine for a not great rebounding team. And Nebraska even managed to score 21 points off of Minnesota's 16 turnovers. So if you cut your own down and take care of business that way, you're fine. Strick, to, to finish out this segment, we've gotten a lot of questions, both from post game last night through the, the happy two hours with Nick that we just did. I want to throw this out to you. Kasey Tomanaga, we've talked a little bit about how Nebraska can use him, but Minnesota kind of face-guarded him. They made his life tough last night, gave him some different defensive looks. Is Kasey Tomanaga a viable option for Nebraska's best score, or is he best relegated to a spot-up shooter role that occasionally gives you something more? Have Big Ten teams kind of caught on to how to scheme against him? Uh, I think I think with that offense that they run, I think they've got uh, – and I talked about that last year. I think they've got to get into more sets. You know, it, that, that offense per se is going to uh, create ways in which, you know, you kind of it, – it's, it's, it's not much with many counters. It's, mm-hmm. it's very basic. It gets to a side. It works and then tries to work uh, on a very, uh, very high perimeter – basis from the free throw line extended so they don't get um much action that can give somebody like we showed on uh, tape talk mm-hmm. tape tuesday mm-hmm. um, they don't have many actions that can kind of throw your eyes off and it's the same thing i talked about with the football team in that counters or uh misdirection stuff they don't have a lot of that and so it's very basic it's easy to guard uh, it's a lot of DHOs, um, dribble handoff mm-hmm. action. So it, it, 
I think they need to let him handle the ball more, but you know, I don't know who, you know, who am I? <laughs> I think I think they need to figure out a way to just get him into situations in sets that allows action to get him to handle the ball. You know, similar mm-hmm. to what they used to do with Allen Iverson, right? They because teams used to try to do the same thing with Allen Iverson, just certain sets that you could run that'll allow the action to really be focused on him. And your counters is if you overhelp one way or the other, then you've got guys on slips and back doors and alley-oops and just different things like that. But if you're going to use him as your primary option, if guys are going to do that type of stuff, that's what you're going to have to do. Or you're going to have to get him the ball and put him and let him be a distributor. Otherwise, you, you don't really have much. To answer the question, you are Eric Strickland, Husker Hall of Famer, nine-year NBA vet, Big 8 Rookie of the Year. With us on stream, uh, I'm Austin Norman back in the 93.7 The Ticket Studios trying to watch Nebraska volleyball put the finishing touches on a sweep of Georgia Tech. It's 20-19 Huskers late in set three. Huskers won the first two. When we get back, Michigan has made Jim Harbaugh or is working on making Jim Harbaugh a contract extension. What would that mean for him? What would that mean for the Wolverines? What kind of message does that send? We'll get into that and plenty more as we continue our one of On the Block here, 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com.